I'd like to welcome Gediminas Urbonis, Associate Professor in Visual Arts uh, in the MIT program in Art, Culture, and Technology. I'm Jim Parody, Head of uh, Comparative Media Studies. Uh, Gediminas is artist and educator and co-founder with Nomeda Urbonis of the Urbonis Studio, an interdisciplinary research program that advocates for the reclamation of public culture in the face of overwhelming privatization, stimulating cultural and political imagination as tools for social change. They use art, uh, an art uh, platform to render public spaces for interaction and engagement of the social groups, evoking local communities and encouraging their cultural and political imagination. Combining the tools of new and traditional media their work frequently involves collective activities such as workshops, lectures, debates, TV programs, internet chat rooms, and public protests that stand at the intersection of art, technology, and social criticism. You will be talking this afternoon about designing participation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, James, and thank you, uh, CMS program, inviting me tonight. Uh, I will uh, introduce and uh, um, guide you through seven projects uh, that were specifically selected for this uh, talk. And uh, I'm, uh, well, I'm very pleased to be here, but, uh, but uh, also I want to say that this is rather artist talk than the lecture. Um, and as James kindly introduced, uh, uh, various aspects of our practice. Probably I don't need to go uh, through, through all those, even though I, I was prepared to do so. Uh, but uh, uh, the seven case studies that I'm, uh, I'm discussing today, um, dealing with these aspects uh, and addressing this change and transformation, ecology of public space, memory and archive, model for social and artistic practice, as we are developing the model uh, for such practice for our project, uh, participatory strategies, and also uh, addresses cultural and political imagination. So the first project is transaction. Um, transaction deals, uh, and transaction is actually uh, good starting point to introduce this practice uh, as, uh, first of all, uh, it has a starting point uh, in the situation uh, where, uh, where I come from, uh, um, Lithuania, uh, and, uh, and to be, uh, well, to be more specific, uh, but, uh, but also situation that is typical for, um, uh, for countries going through the transformation. Uh, um, social, uh, political, and also transformation in the value system, and also uh, psychological transformation. Uh, transaction is uh, inspired by the uh, transactional analysis and has a starting point with the interview of the main psychiatrist uh, of Lithuania, um, of, in which he was addressing the Anis and uh, uh, Anis of coping with the with the changes, with the social and political changes, um, and uh, also um, 
proposing that uh, Lithuania as a nation uh, uh, are living through the scenario of the victim. And uh, this uh, notion of the victim is actually uh, one of the constituencies uh, in the drama triangle uh, that is a pattern to explain the transactional analysis. Um, we, uh, after meeting with the psychiatrist, uh, we got deeply intrigued uh, what, uh, what is the victim, actually, scenario. As we know, the victim... Uh, you know, we, we know victims of the genocide, we know victims of Holocaust, we know victims of, uh, of the war. But uh, is it possible to speak about the victim scenario, uh, you know, when, when we're discussing uh, uh, the process of transformation? And, uh, and from that point, uh, uh, we, uh, we also uh, got interested in the, in the pattern in the drama triangle uh, that uh, actually became a model for, for our project uh, to invite uh, psychiatrists, the specialists that are proposing this method to, uh, as, as a way to cope with the new reality. Uh, and uh, women intellectuals um, that are working with, with women scenario uh, in their professional work, coming from different fields, and also uh, film archives as uh, to support the interviews. Um, women intellectuals were referring to the film archives as um, also uh, part of um, explanation, part of uh, understanding of how this scenario was formed by the ideology on one hand and also by the uh, patriarchal tradition, cultural tradition on the other. So um, in this project, um, for us, um, the important point was to um, try to uh, connect these different um, these different domains, these different uh, societal structures, as uh, somehow uh, experiencing also some kind of like disintegration, right? And let me to explain here what I mean by that. In the process of, uh, of transformation, in the process of uh, leaving one uh, economic and ideologic uh, system, like the socialism, and entering another, the capitalism and the capitalist relations, and first of all, uh, uh, as a proof of that, going through the process of privatization, um, where you know everything that is being owned collectively uh, is uh, is under the scrutiny, uh, and also um, you know under the process of being uh, um, redistributed, right? Um, so, in this process, um, psychiatrists uh, are proposing uh, themselves with the new theories coming from, uh, uh, well, as kind of like new theories like transactional analysis in this case is being uh, introduced as a new theory that could uh, help coping with this new reality. We were also intrigued by this point, the psychiatrists themselves as, you know, pro themselves proposing 
um, proposing uh, kind of like the idea of um, um, in a way, you know, transforming their own institution, right? As we know, the institution of the psychiatry was involved uh, during the during the socialist times and during the during the um, um, totalitarian time, um, uh, were uh, were involved in um, instigating the uh, regimes of control, or serving the regime, or serving the go government. So for them, this kind of like involvement in this process of uh, um, of rethinking their own institution, and in a way, you know, I may use this word rehabilitating institution of psychiatry was also an uh, important part in participating in this project. So this was their interest, right? Um, then, um, librarian of uh, the uh, Transactional Analysis uh, Association. Uh, uh, proposed us to look at women's scenarios, right? Women's scenarios as, uh, you know, uh, especially in the, in the Soviet film. Uh, and, uh, and through that suggestion, uh, we started to collect uh, um, archive, archive of voices, uh, and, uh, and in a way designed this kind of like... Um, communication uh, triangle or design this triangulating dialogue between the archives as repositories of collective memory. Uh, this invisible network of women, as they were not really constituting one organization, they, they came together to the transaction project as, you know, as individuals. But through that project, they constructed a uh, um, community of interest and also psychiatrists uh, who also joined this project with this wish to rehabilitate the institution, their own institution of psychiatry, and also come up with a new method in search of the new methods, uh, how to um, contribute to this process of transformation. So um, in this image, you see uh, psychiatrists, the group of psychiatrists, and this and the session takes place um, at the mental health center uh, that uh, was actually used by the regime during the last uh, uh, years before the start of the transformation uh, as, you know, um, institutions where uh, dissidents and those who did not uh, agree with the regime uh, were treated and incarcerated. So for us, uh, positioning um, institution of the psychiatry and with their, uh, with their actors, probably also in some extent having experience of collaborating with the regime um, was also an you know, important aspect of this project. And we conducted uh, uh, from 2000 to 2004 uh, several, several sessions in that particular space. Uh, proposing them to watch these uh, specific samples uh, coming from different media sources and uh, part of the strategy also um, 
was that we, in parallel, we were developing uh, spatial installation uh, in working with different institutions, um, mostly uh, art institutions, but nevertheless, we were also interested in developing strategy that this project could spread uh, and find its way uh, to, uh, uh, to be presented in different media forums, like film festivals, or, uh, um, or for example, um, uh, forums, international forums uh, uh, of women organizations. Uh, we did not manage to uh, infiltrate uh, uh, forums of the psychiatrist, but we were very much interested in having this project uh, uh, functioning um, as, a, as a model and also as methodological tool in the educational um, institutes. So uh, the project with its archive, uh, and this was first iteration of this, you know, this strategy, um, as collaboration between the Ludwig Museum as art institution in Budapest, and also Central European University uh, as educational institution coming together, and the staging this comparative uh, comparative uh, symposium between the Hungarian and, and Lithuanian participants, uh, each of them contributing with, uh, with this reference library uh, of, the transaction, of the transaction project, using the transaction project as a reference library, uh, but also contributing in a sense that expanding it um, and, uh, and discussing... Um, Im image of women, uh, you know, as it was built and developed by the ideologies of the time, you know, on the Soviet side and then Hungary, as seemingly kind of like softer version, you know, of the socialist uh, um, regime. Um, and uh, we, were, we are interested, like, in this case, uh, in both uh, situations, and having this project uh, inserted in their uh, museum spaces or like you know international exhibition forums like Documenta or like Montreal Film Festival on one hand, on the other hand, functioning it as a learning and methodological tool in the archives. So the spin-off of transaction project is Ruta Remake, and iteration of that uh, uh, we installed uh, in 2011 here at uh, a Dean's Gallery at the School of Architecture and Planning um, under the title Learning Machine, as uh, the project was kind of proposing very concentrated version of. Uh, of both router remake and, and transaction. Um, and, uh, and here, the router remake is dealing with the absence of, uh, of women boys. And uh, the starting point in this, in this project is to, find, uh, is to find a way how could we uh, navigate through this archive of the absence of boys. And of course, uh, um, 
It is absence here should be understood not only as a metaphor, but as a specific uh, repressive condition um, that uh, was uh, and still is actually dominating. You know, when we are speaking, uh, uh, when we are speaking about that specific situation where the project is situated. Um, It also proposes certain uh, certain machine, and therefore there is this learning machine. It proposes certain uh, specific apparatus that is built as instrument uh, to navigate voices, and in the real time, uh, from them to construct new uh, new identity, new composition, uh, remix uh, that you that you as a viewer can produce in the real time by uh, trying to browse, by trying to navigate uh, through this archive of voices, right? So it has all this kind of like consequent, uh, consequent um, choreography, starting you know, from the interviews with women intellectuals, them having, m- making references to the voices which uh, were uh, important you know, for them, uh, um, Supporting them, forming the identity, uh, also uh, supporting in their quest for the uh, for the women voice, um, but at the same time, um, the same time, um, we are working here with um, sound engineer and electronic music composer to look at these voices not only uh, um, as a territory of the social construction. Right, not only looking at these voices uh, that um, um, that are produced, you know, as kind of like as they are conditioned, right, you know, by the certain ideology, uh, but also as metaphysical phenomena, something that has to do with with their own, with kind of like with with their personal, uh, and something that is. Um, Maybe unspeakable, but uh, it is uh, hypothetically possible um, to be accessed through this operation of uh, um, of production of this uh, remix or remake. And in this case, of course, uh, the idea is uh, to uh, borrow from the strategies in in weaving. And here, uh, and here you have some um, iterations of the project that finds its way uh, in in variety of the productions of the collective productions, uh, in which um, um, different participants are involved. And in this project, we are working uh, not only with participants in Lithuania, but also in with participants in East Germany as the idea was always to kind of like stage this uh, comparative situation, but also to see how uh, under the different uh, social and political conditions uh, and at the same time conditions of complete disintegration of something that can be named as civic or collective can be again reconstituted, right? Reconstituted through uh, working with archives, and again, here strategy to work with the archives is 
um, not only to put into the question, you know, or in inquire how the regimes of governmentality are using the archives, right? But in a way to hack and to steal from them, right? And to, uh, and to propose a new strategy of remaking. And through that, of course, to create your own history, right? Or a whole story, like in this case. And then for us, it's always uh, very important to uh, not only uh, rely on, uh, on one uh, type of response, but to try to experiment with the idea of production, idea of the form, and how this form can be imagined also as fluidity and as flux, and also work with the idea of how uh, art actually can lend itself to different other fields. So in a way, project has this kind of like iteration, you know, going through from the workshops to the music production to the fashion production uh, to the production of new archives and, and through that, the production of new narratives, right? But with each case, working with a small group uh, and uh, with each case, trying to reconstitute something that is being lost or something that is, you know, supposedly absent. Um, so from um, this um, idea of working with the voice, we're coming to, uh, to another project, uh, Protest Lab, that addresses the uh, question of participation or participatory strategy, but more uh, in the literal sense of that, maybe, um, uh, as, working with the, um, as working on the urban scale and also uh, questioning, um, questioning the territory planning, in this case. Um, so this is a cinema theater, one of the uh, 40 uh, cinemas um, that, that were privatized during the time of changes, during maybe 10 years since the Berlin Wall uh, events in 1989. And, uh, and this, the big cinema house that hosted 1,000 viewers, and uh, it was important, uh, uh, not, only, um, not only in the cultural sense, right? But it has its also importance as a place of, uh, of meeting. Um, and, uh, and of course, there are many you know, uh, conditions, you know, why Soviets built, uh, cinema houses in the central places, in the cities, and of course we know how the cinema was uh, appropriated by the by the Soviet regime, making these houses in some kind of like you know houses for propaganda and ideology. But on the other hand, uh, there was uh, there was social uh, also function and even urban function of these sites of the cultural houses and the cinema theaters uh, as. Uh, and especially uh, this has become apparent and has become uh, very problematic during the time of changes as the cultural uh, places without having the um, state support, right, has become uh, um, easy prey for the, for the privatization. So... Um, 
you know, uh, this creates kind of a uh, new situation in terms of the value system uh, as uh, privatizing. Well, you may, you may say that in the, in the process of privatization, maybe nothing is wrong. But uh, if we're speaking that uh, the function is changing, right? So the, from the cultural function, the privatized cultural centers, cinemas, concert halls, uh, recreational centers, are being turned into the commercial centers. Um, or, uh, you, know, you know, some kind of like development of, of the housing, of kind of like, uh, um, uh, or play, uh, places for, for the merchandise. So this uh, also um, makes big influence to, uh, you know, for educating the new citizen, right? So on one hand, you know, you can say that uh, the public space, you know, the space of gathering, you know, the cultural space as something that can, you know, bring people together is disappearing. On the other hand, you know, you can say that there is education of the new citizenship, you know, uh, of, you know, citizens like new citizenship in terms of like citizen of the consuming, but not really, uh, not other values in this case. So um, this is um, the starting point for the protest lab where uh, activists, uh, neighbors um, that supposedly can be affected by the, by the development, a gathering in the cinema hall. So our proposal is to convert the cinema space that is uh, architecturally is designed and is conceived as a space for projection uh, into the space of production, right? Of production uh, of the protest voice. And as the protest is uh, problematic, as it uh, has a strong connotation with, uh, again, if we, if, we, uh, if we compare here, let's say, East and West, and here I'm talking more in the geopolitical terms, right? Like, you know, the, what is called the former East or former West. Um, um, protest in the former East has a strong connotation uh, with the... Um, but kind of leftist view that is in the former uh, East or former kind of socialist bloc is uh, understood as some kind of like longing for the past and may have even be accused for longing for the Stalinism, right? Or for the repressions, kind of like, you know, some kind of like some, some type of nostalgia, right? Um, so uh, there is a question how to... Uh, how to actually interject that situation. And uh, our proposal uh, for this is not really protest, but kind of like, not something that has this kind of like negative connotation, but uh, positive. Like, we are, you know, we're saying that we are not against, but we are for. And, uh, and also we are testing that possibility, right? So we're not really protesting, but we are testing. This also introduces two strategies. One that is performative, that has you know, to do with, with masquerade, with, uh, with, with play, with something that you know from Bakhtin as masquerade, right? But, uh, but also uh, you know, type, of, uh, type of game as a kind of like, as a way to 
an act, as a way to perform the protest, right? Um, so, um, different communities that are involved in building the pro protest house or house of protest, in this case, bring their own scenarios as a way to kind of like develop their own voice and their own approach and relationship to protest. Um, young architects uh, organize uh, monopoly games in front of the cinema, citizens who remain anonymous organize poster actions uh, uh, in front of the cinema. Each of them trying to find their own, um, their own language and their own way to, to not only to defend and not only to resist, but also to prove uh, that um, public space uh, is not just um, not just uh, architectural, physical, um, solid kind of like you know site, but it has all these you know fluid you know uh, fluid constituencies you know that are in flux that it has emotions that it has. Uh, Relationships; it has memories, right? And uh, and of course, these can be only enacted by the people, by the presence of their bodies in the public space, and by the different games that they propose to play. And of course, when there is a lack of voice, then uh, then we uh, then we invite dogs because they have voice sometimes. Sometimes um, more present than humans, and uh, a part of the of these uh, games that are played in the public side, in the and not only the cinema but also here in the question, there is a variety of sites in the city. Um, of course, we encounter um, we encounter other other desires and other plans, and those are the plans by the government and plans by the planners, as they imagine, you know, uh, how these sites should be developed better. So, uh, so uh, a part of this project is also, and for us as for artists, was quite uh, kind of like decisive, uh, whether we and kind of like engage with the real politic or not. So uh, in this case, uh, we took the decision that uh, that we uh, also for kind of like form um, political movement, right? A spin-off of, of of this project, and uh, and of course uh, this idea uh, has to do uh, with kind of like building model of civic society, right? Civic society that would have its own claims for not only imagining the city, right, but also uh, influencing the legislation, influencing also the, um, the language of how the city should be uh, described and how the city uh, should be and what kind of like laws that they're describing the city and what language that is uh, uh, constituting the law, right? So we were from 2007 till actually this year. Uh, we were in um, 
four or five lawsuits um, of different administrative and civic uh, lawsuits, uh, and uh, with the idea that through the lawsuit you can also influence specific language and specific because uh, um, 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 lawsuit is also part of the human hum humanities culture, right? So uh, in this process, you're setting up specific uh, certain precedent. And, uh, and through that, you can also introduce uh, new vocabulary, right? That can, you know, have, um, again, um, influence for another lawsuits and another cases. But then, on the other hand, uh, we also uh, continuing with this, with this uh, strategy of um, presenting these projects uh, in the museums and in the cultural uh, events and in the, in the, in the cultural institutions. Uh, and looking at them also uh, as um, public spaces, right? As public sites. So in this case, for us, is no difference between the street, between the newspaper, television, radio, and the gallery. Of course, knowing that all of them, they, uh, they are uh, under certain regimes of control, right? And, uh, but, uh, but in a way, looking at them from the perspective of publicity, right? About, you know, and here, the discourse of the public space and discourse of the publicness meet. So I'm not going into these different installations, um, but for us, uh, the main strategy for the, for the installations, for the spatial installations that are built in the institutions is also uh, to create uh, aspect of certain temporality, of certain autonomy using the institution uh, for people to gather, right, and to, and to further produce the discourse. So I just want to ask, how much time do I have? Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Okay. So I will I will skim. And I mean, at this point, do you have any any questions? Okay. So I can I can continue further. Um, Villa Lithuania uh, is um, a commission for the for the Venice Biennial, and. Uh, we were asked to do the, well, actually, we proposed the project for the National Commission, and, uh, and then we were commissioned to do the project in Venice. Um, as Lithuania doesn't have uh, the pavilion in Venice, for us, it was the starting point. And as you know, the Venice is, uh, is very, uh, in, well, in, in, in that sense, is very unique and important place, uh, well, not only the Venice Biennial, but also the way how uh, it, it, you know, how it, it was uh, started as some kind of like collapsed kind of like geography of uh, of countries who were in power at the time, meaning the end of the 19th century, beginning of 20th century, uh, and uh, and of course uh, there are a lot of countries who are not part of that constellation, of that geographical map that represents 
the you know, celebration of that power. And of course, if you look at, at Lefebvre, who is in, in production of space, he's, uh, he, he brings the example of Venice as this kind of like impossible uh, place, as it's always been under the threat of water, right? And the threat of the natural condition. On one hand, on the other hand, uh, showing this uh, uh, omnipotency of the merchants, of Venetian merchants, like building in this impossible place, such an amazing, uh, in the engineering, but also artistic sense, uh, town and the fortress, right? And since then, kind of like uh, this idea of Venice being this, uh, you know, almost uh, unreal or surreal, kind of like celebration of this omnipotency. Um, so this idea for us was kind of like uh, also, you know, important in a sense as it was conditioning uh, the, the absence of the Lithuanian pavilion there and our, and our strategy to speak about that. So uh, we connected two places. Uh, this is the former embassy of Lithuania that was uh, annexed uh, by the, uh, in, in 1940 uh, by the Mussolini fascist government uh, as they were collaborating with uh, German Nazis. Um, and uh, as a consequence of Ribbentrop-Molotov Pact, uh, they uh, occupy Baltic states and also their properties in, uh, in, the, in other countries, right? So United States and the United Kingdom did not recognize that occupation, so their properties were not occupied but in France, in Italy, Germany, and other countries. And this for us was uh, kind of important signifier, right, for this kind of like, you know, explaining in a way uh, and referring to uh, the absence. Um, and, uh, and of course, the absence that also relates to the absence of the pavilion. So we wanted to constitute our pavilion um, and this was also the point um, when we approached Russians who are now residing. And this is another important aspect that uh, after the changes, after the dissolution of the Soviet Union, uh, and, uh, and even after when Lithuania became part of EU, and as you know, Italy plays quite an important role despite of their economic situation, um, there were negotiations between the states, uh, but um, but this uh, you know, but in in relation to the bigger power like like Russia, these negotiations were never never succeeding successfully. Uh, so um, so our proposal was instead of uh, making the claim to the physical building, we should really think rather um, about temporality, right? and about the kind of like spatial critical uh, aspect of that history. And for that reason, we, uh, we approached the pigeon fanciers in uh, three countries, Lithuania, Italy, and Russia, to participate in the international pigeon race, sending the pigeon as a, not only as a communicator, right, but as a messenger, kind of like with the um, yeah, with the peace proposal. So, uh, so we can say that this is, yeah, 
This is iteration of the pavilion uh, and its launch on the barge um, in 2007. In June, um, at the opening of the Biennale, where we had uh, 1,200 pigeons uh, trained. So they are athletes. They are not the ones that you can pick up on San Marco Polo Square, as some people thought so. But uh, but they they were... um, they were all trusted and given by the pigeon fences for the project, right? And they were brought and transported from different places in different towns uh, in Lithuania, in Russia, and in Italy. And all of them, as they were, as they trained as homing pigeons, right? So they all flew to their to their destinations. So they all flew to back home. And then in the Ludoteca, which is the children children playground in Venice. Uh, we installed uh, the model, model for, the, for the possible pigeon loft that, uh, that is conceived acquiring the shape uh, of the embassy that is being occupied. Um, constructing viewing device, right? Uh, and, um, and giving access to um, the interviews and archival materials, uh, that were provided uh, and um, and contributed uh, by the um, people who who experienced that history in Rome, son of the ambassador who was also ambassador in the exile, um, and uh, looking into this kind of like um, also strategy. Uh, of, of resistance, but, uh, but also resistance that maybe doesn't articulate itself as, uh, you know, in terms of um, antagonism, right? But maybe, but maybe more like, you know, into agonistic relationship, as Chantal Mouffe proposes. So those are the prizes for the winners of the pigeon race. And, uh, and also as, you know, Part of the strategy of our projects, kind of like also to lend itself to different, you know, iterations and different uh, ways of of producing the signifiers of the project and sending the message. So this was the pigeon. Um, it's kind of like iteration of wind cheater, right? But something that can protect you from from pigeon waste. And uh, at the time of the prize ceremony in Venice Biennial, as you know, that they're giving the Golden Lions. We had, uh, we had another prize ceremony uh, for the winners of the pigeon race. So this is a more recent project, building car barbecue. Um, it is, um, and as, wo- as I was asked to, to speak about uh, participatory strategies and, uh, and bring you some more recent works, I will uh, I will skim very quickly through in the next seven minutes uh, through through the remaining project and I don't, I'm not sure how how well I will manage that. Um, but uh, this project um, situates in Shista Husby, um, Akala. These are the neighborhoods in uh, Stockholm. 
uh, that were built as part of the Milieu program or the Million program uh, to, uh, to build dwellings after the, um, you know, in the 50s after the end of the Second World War, as there were a lot of uh, Swedish-speaking uh, people coming to Sweden from Finland, uh, from, from the territories which were uh, occupied by the Soviet Union, uh, as well also refugees from Norway, as Northern Norway was also uh, burned uh, in, the, in the Second World War. So, so there was a scarcity of housing in Sweden. And, uh, and the new development was really uh, informed by the, by the very successful strategies of the social housing, as exemplified in Ballingby and other areas. Uh, that had this characteristic of separating the traffic and the pedestrians, kind of like in two levels. So you had like, you had this grid, one type of grid for the cars and another type of grid for the pedestrian, children and elderly. So the cars and the, and the people would never meet, right? Um, also, um, they, as you know, there is a certain uh, strong uh, design tradition in Sweden uh, and experimental design, uh, a part of kind of like, uh, you know, like working with, with architects and designers. They were also involving in this process, in the planning process, artists. And, uh, and artists were not only kind of like, you know, providing the color scheme for the houses, right? Uh, but also, also developing the interiors and interior proposals and also playgrounds. Right, and these areas are situated in very, uh, in kind of like, literally very near to the center, right? So it is suburb, but you can reach the center in twenty minutes by train. So it has very nice location with a great access to the to the uh, nature, to the forest, and. Uh, in since 60s and 70s, it was inhabited mainly by the immigrants. So um, it is about 98% of immigrants who inhabit these areas. And now, uh, uh, as city expands, um, suddenly the city government and and also developers find out that uh, there could be some that this area needs some kind of like redevelopment and uh, and needs um, and of course to there is a question how you how you work with these people who are there right uh, the local planners they have idea to actually withdraw these people and one of the strategy to withdraw them uh, from from this neighborhood. Uh, is um, is to uh, refurbish the houses and uh, and make the rent almost impossible for people who have certain income, right? But as you can see from these images, these houses uh, they kind of like you know, from at least from my perspective, like they look they pretty pretty great shape and and also our strategy was that we would uh, you know. And as part of this project, you know, to understand its kind of like circumstances and its environment, we uh, we lived like so. We rented house from the Somalian family, and um, and we lived there for five weeks in the summer. Um, and uh, and of course uh, we met uh, with people at 
Stockholm municipality, also uh, at Jarva Lifted, which is uh, the um, kind of public-private partnership of, you know, between the government and developers. Uh, also uh, with people like architects or anthropologists who uh, also situate themselves in that area and, uh, and try to resist. And, uh, and as I mentioned, in the 60s, it was a very progressive area, right? And now it's been uh, stigmatized by the media. And this is like one of these ideas that, uh, that the city planet, Stockholm uh, municipality is kind of like uh, presenting with his, you know, hand drawing the bridge, you know, with the people, and then this kind of like specially excavated, you know, um, grid of the of the streets for the cars. And the idea is that uh, that they want to fill these streets again uh, to in order to. Um, kind of like redesign this place and make the people meeting the cars, right? So this is the proposal. But uh, the reaction of the people here to, towards these regimes, kind of like, you know, of planning, and those regimes, of course, of planning, they do not really uh, involve people, right, in the planning process. And, of course, the reaction is kind of like, as you can see from, from these images, is... Uh, um, it's kind of confrontational, right? Uh, so this, uh, so these these images, they are not coming from media. This is this is from from our archive. This is from from this research and from the field trip that we uh, conducted. But you can imagine that uh, almost, uh, if not every day, then certainly a few times a week, these images are reaching the media. And, uh, and uh, of course, they speak about, uh, they speak about uh, certain uh, violence uh, and, through, through this, uh, and through this circulation of these images in the media, um, you know, these regimes of governmentality basically stigmatize that area and stigmatize the people who, who are living there. So, uh, so we wanted through this, you know, um, by working with local community and uh, and to be very specific we were working with a uh, local school teacher and we are working with the uh, computation um, um, program at uh, Stockholm University which is situated in the area and also with the students from the from uh, art school uh, those who live in the area, right? So our idea was to involve people who would not come from kind of, well, it's enough that we are coming from the outside, right? But we were work, working with the people who are there and also people who, uh, who experience in their daily life this area, right? To design this, so yeah, to so design this uh, workshop, building car barbecue. Um, so this is a little uh, welding workshop for the, uh, for the immigrants uh, who are going through the rehabilitation process as they have some addiction to drugs or alcohol. 
So it is opportunity for them to, um, you know, to use their skills and uh, and you know make some you know things that maybe uh, like repair bikes, you know, and like you know other things from the metal that community may need. So they we involve them in um, in designing and welding um, this um, metal facility for the barbecue that is uh, in the foundation of the car. Um, the site was also chosen as the site where the real car was burned. And here you can see the building process and uh, also the, uh, the mapping process. As, as, as you can see, like it goes through some uh, places where uh, places that has recent memories of confrontation, uh, also places that are uh, suggesting some alternatives and places of hope. So for us, this car was kind of like a tool of mapping in the in the city or in this neighborhood of Husby. And uh, it, you know, and we propose this kind of like uh, guided tour, where where the car has this kind of like you know uh, function of the mapping tool. So I will just go uh, through through these sites or the stations uh, where uh, intervention uh, took place. Uh, um, also. Um, Suggesting some voices and commentaries by the different people from the community leaders, you know, to to those who who are involved in these sites of hope or imagination, uh, and uh, and also through that kind of like enacting this idea, trying to imagine what would happen when the car meets the people, right. So in a way, car has become this kind of like guiding device, but also kind of like telling device. And then, of course, everyone is um, um, meeting around, you know, this car and burning it together, right, to make a to make a barbecue. So um, Hussein, who is a local uh, chef, working in the in the yeah in in Husby. He uh, he brought up all this food, and here again, like you know, the, this kind of like you know attempt to constitute you know the this community, right? Of course, it is different situation, you know, as as we compare with other projects, but but at least at least this attempt to kind of like constitute it for the moment, right? And I don't know if I have time to go through this project. You, How long is it? You know, I could try to do it in five minutes. Okay. So Water Age um, is, uh, is informed, actually, by the very recent experience and uh, us coming here um, to MIT and uh, looking also at the place uh, of MIT uh, as contributing to the modernization of culture 
especially during the Cold War time, as not being producer, major producer of the military technologies, but, but also of, uh, of technologies to inform and disinform uh, during this Cold War confrontation between these two ideological superpowers. And uh, as I'm uh, at the art, culture, and technology program that has, uh, in a way, inherited not only the history, not only the legacy, but also uh, physically the archive of the Center of Advanced uh, Visual Studies, for me was extremely uh, important and, and also gratifying to have access to this archive. Uh, and... Uh, Georgi Kepesh, uh, who uh, was a founder of the program in '67, um, he um, had the idea to bring artists who uh, want to situate their research interests and their practice outside of the fine arts, right? So he was talking about uh, art on the civic scale, himself being painter, right? But at the same time, fascinated, you know, by the technologies, by the light. Uh, but also uh, by the uh, ability of, of art to kind of like speak on the larger scale, right? Um, he wanted to, uh, you know, not only bring people uh, to MIT and make them, you know, uh, meet scientists and, uh, and create this kind of like, you know, possibility to, uh, to look from the perspective where these different spheres of knowledge meet, but also to bring art on the, on the kind of like civic scale. And he was proponent of something that he was calling uh, citizen of the environment, right? And one of the uh, earlier projects uh, that I was very much interested, and uh, specifically from this kind of like perspective, you know, hypothetical water age, um, trying to kind of like imagine, you know, this planet in the hundred years, that maybe we will be living under the water or on the water. This is hypothesis, and you know, entirely speculative. But but I was interested how uh, how artists at the time, you know, in seventies, again uh, looking at the uh, inhumane scale of industrial development on one hand, on the other hand, into military industrial complex, right? Trying to kind of like cope. And trying to kind of like, you know, uh, well, not necessarily maybe disrupt, but try to kind of like imagine the possibility or change or transformation. Uh, so this was a river project uh, that was started in 71, then continued in 72, where artists, designers, architects, uh, and scientists together uh, designed and conceived projects for Charles River. And also... Uh, for that reason, uh, Kepesh uh, made very extensive, Kepesh and, and, and the CBS fellows made extensive research. So here you can see a few documents. It says, I've never been to Charles River, but I heard of it. It's by the high school, probably, person. Um, and again, meeting with, uh, meeting with, with specialists and meeting with uh, community leaders like Charles River Conservancy or researchers uh, at MIT Museum and, and elsewhere. And then again, uh, 
um, together with uh, writer and uh, and curator from Oxford University, Tracy War, kind of like um, conducting this uh, comparative study where we are looking at the river in its respectful sites, Oxford and Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, looking at the river as um, some kind of recording device that through the history accumulated all these different sediments. Um, also looking at, at the river as the public space that probably um, is, if you speak about the cities, right? Rivers are the only unparcelled, you know, public spaces, right? Who still kind of like retain this uh, public kind of like quality and property, but also um, sites that can, um, you know, uh, situate our research inquiry, you know, and our pedagogy. Uh, and maybe also have, having potentiality to become our research labs, right? So that is our point, you know, starting point to work with rivers. And here, and here we're making uh, interviews and getting to know about the life of people who live at the river. So where you have uh, anarchists uh, who do not uh, want to kind of like subscribe themselves to the um, this capitalist kind of like uh, condition of, you know, lease or rent of the property. Uh, of course, for that reason, you have to have a boat. But, uh, um, but uh, also, uh, it is a political decision, right, to, to situate your life in a very kind of like conditioned space, right? And uh, also in a psychological condition where you know that you depend on so many constituencies of that space, you know, Water, you know, like when you know that you live with 200 liters of water, for example, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, and then people who exercise type of, uh, al well, uh, alternative kind of like lifestyle, like in this case, there is a Venetian rower who lives on Thames, who dresses up like Venetian rower and rows, it's not gondola, but it's called sondola or... Uh, in this case, self-taught river historian, uh, and uh, and then lock keeper, uh, also profession that soon may be obsolete, but has uh, great history, and uh, also a very important position, you know, for especially for those who who live on the on the river and who pass pass by these locks, and so on and so forth. So. Uh, and among those also royal swan keeper, as what we found that swans are property of the crown in Britain. Um, and also looking at these different, uh, looking at these different communities, uh, but also trying to learn from them uh, how they found uh, their life, you know, in relation to this specific environment, and uh, and also kind of like building ethics you know, to relation to that environment. And, uh, and building also pedagogy, you know, around aesthetics. So like, for example, in, in this case, uh, there is this um, engineer, as he called himself, theoretical engineer, who, who is advocate for the yellowing, and he tries to propose that for the 
uh, for the kids coming from, um, from the disadvantaged families and trying to bring them to the river, right? As we know that river as a site, uh, as a public site, has historically been uh, also a site and the stage to exercise the certain class, right? And this is what, what is exemplified in the, in the rowing races. So it's a very similar situation, you know, here or Oxford or, or Cambridge, UK. Uh, but uh, yellowing, as it is also known as scientific sculling, as it reflects the fluid dynamics, uh, it has a history of more than 2,000 years, and it comes from China. And, uh, and here we are studying this and also making our own and uh, um, also working with children in Oxford, building imaginary boats, and then also uh, designing the... Um, lab for the sensor experience. So this is first iteration of this lab that, uh, that is designed uh, with the idea to uh, be in the water but stay dry. Uh, as we also found that uh, as we also kind of like interested in the psychological condition, right? As we know that some people have hydrophilia but also there is hydrophobia. So for us, it's, uh, it's not only this kind of like therapeutic or the healing condition, but the sensorial condition that helps us to kind of like understand the environment here. It's, it's important. And for that, uh, we try to also kind of like discuss the relationship with the citizenship. So actually, it is also a variable device, as you can see, like, you can uh, wear the river as uh, we're using here the neoprene material. As you know, neoprene is used for the, for the wet use or dry use, but in this case, it doesn't allow water. So it is light itself. Um, it would sustain your body floating without even kind of like, you know, having the ability to swim, right? But also you can wear the water, you can feel the weight of the water. Right? as you would never feel if you would be just you know, jumping to the water. So we conducted a few journeys on, on Thames River and, uh, and also um, one of them hosted the VET Symposium with uh, more than 30 participants uh, and also condition that all of them should be meeting in the water, including the keynotes. It was difficult, actually, to find keynotes who would agree to speak in the water. Uh, one specialist of biomimicry uh, was actually afraid of water, as we, as we find out in this, in this process. And maybe I'm not going into that, because... Yeah, thank you. I will leave Utopia for the next time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, wonderful projects. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think you have a lot to tell us. Uh, any questions?
thanks. And I was wondering kind of, it seems like you have to recruit a lot of participants to, to experience these these projects. How do you go about finding the, the participants? Um, you know, it seems like a lot of this might be spontaneous too. They just kind of join in as they see these projects unfold. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Well, in each case, well, as, as you can see, each case is, is very uh, specific. Uh, as some of them, they are uh, rooted in the situation that uh, I know very well because I, I come from there, right? And they have also probably a different uh, meaning, you know, like uh, search for the, for the new identity, you know, or search for the new citizenship, right? Uh, or search for the voice and then kind of like, of, you know, resistance, resistance, right? And then for that constitute the citizenship, right? So, um, so if you look, if you look, you know, into case by case, like for example, if we speak about transaction project where we involve uh, psychiatrists, you know, women intellectuals, and then film archives, um, uh, the starting point is actually meeting psychiatrists, right, and conducting the interviews with them. And then through their references and suggestion, you know, we meet, you know, this something that I suggested here as invisible network of women, right? Which starts to kind of like again unfold kind of like suggestion by suggestion by suggestion. And then we, and then maybe uh, at the end um, of four years, kind of like, you know, we have maybe uh, 60 to 70 participants in this project, right? Uh, but also we uh, be interested in the idea of um, project becoming institution and liberating from us as an artist, right? So if you look from that kind of like, you know, perspective, what is participatory, what is the meaning of participatory practice, you know, within the artistic kind of like, you know, within the genealogy of artistic practices. So there is uh, one uh, maybe trajectory is denunciation of the signature. Right, as uh, I'm speaking here, and you know, uh, I'm also speaking not only on my behalf, right, but I'm also saying us. So I'm referring to my partner, you know, and also in many instances to the larger collective, right. So it's not only that we constitute collective with my partner Nomeda, you know, as we have collaborative, you know, joint practice, uh, but also we open this practice, right to other participants, right? So there is, uh, on one hand, there is this kind of like, you know, uh, idea of denunciation of the authorship, you know, or the artistic signature, right? Or putting, or putting this into the question, right? Um, and, uh, and then in other instances, like for example, Protest Lab, you know, uh, there was uh, maybe a little bit different strategy like, as I said, like, our project is very often starting from the interviews and the archives, right? And then through that, kind of like, you know, building up the, you know, small community around the project, right? Which can emancipate itself and can become institution on its own, right? To emancipating meaning, like, kind of like liberating, you know, from us artists, right? Living its own life. Uh, but in, in Protest Lab, uh, yeah, invitation actually came to you know, uh, to different, um, you know, leaders in the community, you know, different political parties, uh, different uh, type of uh, informal circles, you know, you know, like vegans, you know, or 
uh, break dancers, you know, or uh, alternative fashion makers, you know, or uh, young architects group, you know, or just someone who wanted to practice some alternative life but could not do that at home because they were 15 years old, right? So they found cinema as their home. And, uh, and to organize that type of you know, community and society, we used, uh, we used mailing lists, actually. So, the, so the, the mailing list has become the place where we would uh, engage into discussion and also uh, script the possible programs for the space before actually we enter a cinema. So the discussion took place maybe for uh, one uh, or two months, you know, and then we kind of hijacked the cinema space. Um, in other instances, uh, like Villa Lithuania, for example, uh, where we worked with, uh, uh, you know, these pigeon fanciers, right? We had a proposal and we worked with, uh, uh, first of all, with uh, pigeon, you know, fancy club, you know? So that's how we engaged them, you know? Like, and, you know, and these people, people of the specific interest, they, they have their own network, you know, and so they're very very kind of like well connected with each other. Um, so in these instances, you know, like um, as I said, there are different strategies for, the, for each specific project, but what they have, all of them in common, they, uh, we also, uh, you know, are interested in pedagogy, right? And form kind of like as workshop where these participants could come and could also, you know, at least temporarily can kind of like constitute some, uh, some type of, you know, autonomy, some type of kind of like platform, you know, that exists. Uh, but not only in the, in the art project, as maybe was kind of like strategy of many relational practices that Nicola Burio is kind of like talking, you know, in the 90s. But here uh, we're interested in, the, in this autonomy that could kind of like live longer than artistic institution, right? So many of these projects kind of like they, they survived, you know, uh, longer than the art project itself. Hi. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, and please tell me if I'm completely wrong here, because this could be entirely misinterpreting. But I think I noticed a sort of transition in the projects you showed us, like, the first few projects were more, the experience was more like interactional with space and with the, the, the notion of the participant being involved in an experience. Whereas towards, especially the last one, um, the experience was more me mediated through this device. Um, do you think there's a meaningful difference there? And do you think they would, it signifies some sort of different relationship to the pedagogy element that you've mentioned? And related to that, I was also wondering, like, in this sort of renegotiation process that Eastern Europe has gone through in, in defining its identity between socialism and capitalism, um, do you think there's any ongoing influence from sort of the logic of consumerism, um, commodities, and merchandise in mediating that experience with, with public space? I didn't get, could you, could you a little bit kind of like explain the second question? So um, I'm wondering, like, in, in the socialist logic, and especially the, the, the Soviet logic, the relationship through to the public was always through the state, because the state absorbed 
the entire public space. So I'm wondering, once the state is no longer this all-encompassing reality, mm -hmm. how does um, capitalism sort of colonize the intervention spaces between the public and sort of the space? Does well, that make sense? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's start from the second Thanks. question. Um, it's not, you know, uh, well, if we speak about Soviet time, what is important to understand that uh, this image kind of like of uh, Soviet society as being kind of like collective, right? And the state as being kind of like organized of that collectivity, right? Of course, it was, uh, you know, perceived and received by the population with a certain, you know, um, you know, it was not taken for granted, you know. It was really uh, received with a certain resistance, right? Uh, which, uh, on one hand, allowed to cultivate uh, kind of like a culture of the secret societies or societies under the table, right? And those could be like, you know, uh, you know kind of like very subcultural kind of like forms, you know. Like, uh, you know, uh, I was recently kind of like writing about one of these forms, like stealing, for example, or kind of like sabotaging, sabotaging the factory, right? It's one of those forms, right? So, the, so in a way... Uh, kind of like this uh, absence of public life, right? Because, you know, the public life that was instigated by the state cannot be really called public, right? Because it was controlled, and it was very clear that it was controlled. You know, so it was performed public life, right? And everybody knew about that, you know, those who were controlling and those who were under the control, right? Uh, so uh, some type of kind of like semi-public life, right, was... It was, you know, it was happening in the smaller circles under the table, you know, or at home, right? But of course, such situation, uh, uh, you know, was not contributing to the forms of public life, right? So once you, once you have a change, it is a question how you manage to come up together, right? And what kind of, like, forms of, you know, public life, right, you could actually formulate, you know, design, you know, so that's... So this project, you know, like Protest Lab and others, in a way, you know, they're looking, you know, that maybe through art we could attempt, you know, uh, you know, through kind of like performing public life, right? But in a different way, as of course, as a state. And here it is, of course, a tension, right? Because, of course, there is a criticism, you know, which we, of course, are aware, you know, cultural industries, kind of like, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so... Um, on the other hand, of course, uh, the capitalist system is uh, very well aware, you know, of this kind of, like, void, right? So, definitely, uh, one of the, kind of, like, um, ideological, kind of, like, underpinnings of the privatization, you know, is, is kind of, like, education of the new citizenship, right? And I think this is important to, kind of, like, intervene in this process, you know, and uh, because uh, it's also let us kind of like, again, my theory is that the change happened, you know, as some kind of like shock doctrine, uh, you know, as, as Klein is referring, right, you know, to shock doctrine. So, so it's, it, it takes probably like 10, 20 years to people to kind of like really understand what happened, you know. So now it is interesting process, and this is what you, what, what, well, what you, what, what everyone is kind of like, you know, when looking what is happening in Russia, what is happening in other places, there is this moment when people kind of like finding the forms how to, you know, you know, in a way read the past, right? Read the past, but not, well, 
um, read the past through the acting in the present, right? Um, then to this, to your, I don't know, this answers your question a bit, yeah? Uh, then the first question you asked about whether this, uh, uh, whether this kind of like later project kind of like, you know, is becoming more um, sensorial or more kind of like, could you, could you a little bit? Right. You know, uh, we published the book called Devices uh, for Action as part of, part of the project in, in, at Magba Museum in Barcelona. And, uh, and actually, um, for us, um, you know, Transaction and Router Remake, you know, um, and, and, uh, and Protest Lab, these are projects that, that are working with the idea of device, right? So I wouldn't, maybe it is uh, more apparent, you know, in this kind of like, you know, last image as you see, you know, you see body kind of like, you know, in the river, kind of like you. Uh, but uh, but it's, been, uh, it's been kind of like, you know, uh, you know, important element, right? And kind of like common denominator for these projects. Uh, just, uh, you know, it, of course, it had different iterations, right? And different embodiments, you know, either in the fashion collection, you know, for example, you know, or kind of like, or in these different objects, you know, as toys, right, that you can kind of like, you know, uh, that enable, uh, enable and justify the presence of your body in the public space, you know, when you play with them. Um, thank you very much. I really enjoyed hearing about your projects. And I guess I wanted to ask a question. I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about uh, some of the strategy or, or um, theory behind um, your work. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, you talk about having a sort of research lab, and it, it seems to me you're modeling a, a sort of new form of activism or social criticism, you call it. Um, and so I, I'm interested to know, what do you see yourself as departing from in terms of a history of social criticism? And, and are there models that you looked to that precede your work um, that you feel like we're doing something similar that you're building on? You mean, when you when you're saying models, you mean models in uh, Examples, practice? maybe. Examples of other... Um, work. Other uh, participatory forms of activism, for instance, or, or other work um, in the architectural space or technology space. Um, I guess I, it's a question of sort of what are your influences and, and maybe what are the things that sure. you think don't work anymore that, that need to be updated that you're, that you're seeking to update? No, sure. Uh, this is a very good question because I think that what, what is important here to explain is that, uh, and I kind of like, maybe I was too kind of like uh, mysterious about this, you know, saying addressing like former East and former West, you know, but... but uh, but, you know, Diane Davis, you know, when she's talking about uh, North and South, you know, in her series of lectures, uh, which is, I think it's called like North, North and South, kind of like neoliberal capitalism and its relation to the, to the you know, development of the cities, right? Um, um, it is also an um, Im important moment, you know, to understand that some of the theories, you know, which, uh, which are built on the... Um, well, Anglo-Saxon kind of like or Western kind of like you know grounds and perspective you know would not necessarily work right. 
how could we explain, let's say, pussy riot phenomena in Russia? How can we speak about that? You know, what kind of like instruments we need? You know, to so um, so in a way um, um, for us, you know, building these devices for action, you know, was was kind of like important to understand that uh, that difference, you know, between north and south, if you wish, you know, or or, or in this case, like east and west, right? Um, of course, you know, um, I think I mentioned Chantal Move, right? And, uh, and kind of like agonistic space, which in some extent uh, helps kind of like to, um, to kind of like, at least it informed the protest lab, certainly, right? Proposing kind of like, uh, instead of kind of like agonizing kind of like, you know, or, uh, or uh, sorry, antagonizing, uh, antagonizing, right? Proposing kind of like a dash, right? As kind of like as a space, as a moment of you know reflection, right? Um, you know, speaking about artistic strategies that um, that I would kind of like relate to, you know, and this is something that I, I mentioned, like you know, relational aesthetics, uh, probably, you know. Uh, Yes, you know, it brought to kind of like to the discussion in the 90s, you know, quite, you know, important moments. Uh, important moment for me, what, what was really, uh, what was interesting in the relational aesthetics was the idea of the model, right? So when we look at Ricky Ritravonija, uh, who brings, uh, let's say, um, the model, you know, of the social situation of his house, you know, or artists like Big Van der Paul, when also they install the kitchen in the gallery space, right? Because very often when we look at images, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you're familiar with Ricky Ritavonija, I mean, I'm taking this for granted, but, but just to explain that uh, uh, he, uh, he brought the model of his kitchen into the gallery space, right? And, uh, and you know, where he was cooking, basically, at the, at the opening, right? And then leaving this kitchen kind of like for the, for the installation, uh, for the exhibition period. Uh, but leaving more is kind of like signifier to the social space. So not, not just kind of like, you know, um, installing this as illustration or mimicry of the social space, but as infrastructure that could help him to produce that social space, Right? And, and here it is interesting thing, uh, if we're using the notion of the model, because model is on one hand, it is illustration of the reality, but on the other hand, it is reality itself, right? So for me, this kind of like, the idea of the model that is brought by the relational aesthetics is important. Um, then, when we go further, of course, we can look at practices like park fiction, for example, uh, Hamburg-based artist who uh, find creative way to resist uh, the development, you know, of uh, of Hamburg uh, Hafen or Hamburg Harbor um, by um, again um, proposing citizens um, a fiction. Right? Let's imagine the park here in the in the in the port. Like, let's imagine the impossible, which is kind of like. Again, those practices find its inspiration in, you know, in the situationist international movement, in kind of like ideas that align with uh, psychogeography on one hand. But on the other hand, it is a different situation, right? The 90s. So you, uh, 
Um, so it's no longer this kind of like military industrial complex in which you kind of like resist, you know, but, but it is this neoliberal capitalism, right? With, with this fragmentation. And uh, so, so in, in that sense, of course, I find, uh, you know, like Franco Berardi before theories and Italian operaist uh, um, inspiring, you know, and useful. Uh, and, um, and we did a project uh, here at MIT Disobedience Archive uh, with its display at uh, uh, New Media Lab, uh, uh, which was also kind of like bringing the archive of the practices, uh, you know, that maybe had its their starting point in the 70s, you know, and then also kind of like, you know, with students together, you know, as I was teaching two classes, bringing them using this archive, you know, as a kind of like, you know, study, you know, as a reading, having this archive, you know, as part of the syllabus, but also making the uh, the new layer, which is the Boston layer, and looking at kind of like, you know, uh, the histories of resistance here in Boston. Um, and, uh, you know, the lucky serendipitous moment and at the same time kind of like tragic and sad moment was, you know, that it was year ago during the Occupy Boston. Um, so, um, so in a way the, you know, this installation and this, ex kind of like the exhibit, as they call it here, uh, stayed longer, you know, after, after the, um, the withdrawal of the Occupy Boston from, from that, from the space. But, but it, but it gave kind of like, you know, participants in the class, uh, you know, the opportunity to kind of like, you know, to compare these two situations, right? You know, their, you know, work with archives and the histories and like starting with Mel King and his, the 10 city number one, right? You know, at Copley Square and, and then also the November actions, MIT and uh, Harvard strike, you know? So kind of like also how the students, you know, as the political subjects, you know, who, who become political subjects, you know, for the, um, probably the first time, no? Like, you know, next to the workers, let's say. Uh, how they build their, you know, political subjectivities, you know, in relation to the events that unfold. So in this sense, uh, yes, in this sense, Italian operaist and, and before, you know, with his kind of like theory of recombination, you know, and then fragmentation, you know, and it's, it's important, you know. I have a, a quick question. Um, uh, I, I'm fascinated by the participatory aspect of uh, many of the projects you work in. I'm wondering if you've uh, explored the spaces of social media, given some of your interests and so forth, uh, as uh, a means for some of the areas of interest uh, that have motivated some of your past pro projects. Is, has this been a? Ha, have you worked in social media? Have you worked in digital spaces? Uh, you do a lot of work with archives and working mm -hmm. and drawing from archives and so yeah, forth. Yeah, sure. Right? Uh, well, um, this is well. This is good. this is a good question, right? Because uh, I kind of like entirely omitted one kind of like important thing, uh, so I jammed directly to the projects. But uh, probably it could be useful, kind of like to start from the point that. Uh, um, I have background in uh, kind of running uh, artist organization, artist-run space, uh, which was uh, founded in '92. 
So just a couple of years after the, um, you know, after the fall of Berlin Wall, which is kind of like starting point in my coordinates in a way, um, and um, and with the idea to kind of like transform the former cultural and propaganda houses into the new media centers, right? So this was like 92, 93, and it had, uh, and it was kind of like in the uh, alliance to some kind of like zeitgeist that was unfolding at that time in Eastern Europe, the belief that, uh, you know, the belief in the third way, right? You know, again, like Homi Bhabha, you know, talking about the third way. So what is the third way at that time? And, you know, as we have the former past with these embodiments and kind of like, you know, in the solid kind of like, you know, um, no matter how much fascinated about, you know, let's say brutalist architecture, probably you, you hate the city hall, but I love it here in Boston. Uh, but, uh, and then kind of like coming this new liberal, new neoliberal capitalism, right? So what is the third way? And uh, at that time, uh, with kind of like emergence of, uh, of internet, you know, 92, 93, I'm talking about, um, there, were, there was a lot of kind of like uh, beautiful naivete believing that the third world can be constituted in the internet, right? So, uh, so kind of like we did project called Ground Control that was exchanged between British and Lithuanian artists uh, trying to imagine the internet as uh, kind of like space that was constituted by meeting Soyuz Apollo, you know, when they met together, American and, and Soviets. Astronauts, yeah, yeah, cosmonauts and astronauts, right? So, uh, kind of like, you know, when they met in cosmos, right? So, in, 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 in that sense, we were thinking about the internet, right? And, and it was uh, and it was a very interesting movement that was unfolding, you know, like 94, up to kind of like maybe 2000, 2002, which was kind of like point of disillusion. Uh, uh, with media labs, you know, and it was very interestingly, uh, this movement was supported by George Soros, uh, who um, also invested in the so-called uh, Soros network in Eastern Europe uh, of the contemporary art centers. Uh, and in many instances, uh, if we speak about Hungary with C Cube, if we speak about Zagreb, Croatia, uh, Mama. Uh, if you speak about uh, uh, Ljubljana, Slovenia, we have Ludmila. So we have all these, uh, I don't know if it rings a bell now for you, but, uh, but those were very important cultural new media centers. Probably, uh, you know, built on the fascination of media lab MIT and hacker culture here, but having the access, you know, to the internet, sharing the knowledge, right, situating all the pedagogy on the internet, you know, and also, uh, important part of this was learning how to govern, you know, ourselves, right? Kind of like self-organization and self-education, you know, these two principles, right? Which are kind of like principles, you know, important um, not only for all these, um, you know, let's say, you know, alternative cultures, like, you know, hacker culture, you know, but also for any kind of like, you know, utopian society in a way. Uh, so um, this, this was a moment that actually uh, we were part of and, uh, and informed our practice. And uh, also um, at that time we were running the television program. So we embraced the television, you know, 
as a form, and we had actually uh, infrastructure and condition to do that because it was very unclear moment, you know, in the kind of like, there is one beautiful thing about transformation, as, and especially, um, you know, in the speeded version of transformation, that, that, you know, that because of the speed and because of fragmentation, there are huge gaps, you know, between the elements. So there is a lot of space to intervene, right? So, so we managed to, uh, to intervene, and actually we were running uh, for two years a uh, television program on the national channel, which was absolutely, like, you know, kind of impossible and absurd thing, you know? But, uh, uh, you know, but, uh, but we could speak about, you know, these matters, you know, then, you know. And, um, and then um, we also were looking in kind of like in, in these hybrid forms of media. So not only television, but combining it with uh, internet chat, with kind of like all these forms. I mean, now for the Skype generation, it's like probably like not understandable what I'm talking about, you know, but, but before Skype, you know, uh, and before AIM and before some other, you know, uh, means, you know, uh, um, you know, there was this kind of like, you know, even before CUC me, you know, uh, there were some other means kind of like, you know, so we were trying to experiment and trying to kind of like, uh, you know, um, connect to all these different communities, you know, so like, let's say, you know, people in UK, in, uh, in Holland, you know, in Croatia, you know, in, in Hungary, you know, but kind of like, you know, like in a way, also it was politically very, you know, it had a strong meaning because at that time, uh, there were borders between all these different countries, you needed visas to travel, you needed invitations even to travel. So, so kind of like these connections through the internet enabled us kind of like participating and being together. Um, but also uh, producing our forms where you could see that, uh, that both kind of like other alternatives, let's say the former and the future one, were not that technologically severe at that time. Right? And, uh, and but certainly uh, Soros was kind of like very... Uh, you know, in that sense, uh, clever guy tapping into, into these networks, you know, and, and supporting them, which was also, in a way, the end. Um, and, um, and this utopian moment, as I said, well, I tried to kind of like mark in this very sketchy way between 92 to 2002, but, it, but, but in a way it was absorbed, you know. It was absorbed, and in many instances it was either absorbed by the um, some kind of like, you know, governmental institutions, you know, incorporating these, you know, uh, initiatives, alternative initiatives into the, you know, local museums, you know, or into the advertising agencies, you know, or kind of like, you know, branding agencies, you know, or, or kind of like some telecommunication kind of like enterprises. Thanks, this has been great. Um, uh, is there a project that you've worked on that had uh, uh, a response that was uh, uh, surprisingly potent, that got a really strong response? Um, was there one where um, the, the feedback that you got wasn't as good, it sort of fizzled, and then 
What's the relationship between a work of art and the commentary it generates? Are we working now in a sphere where the autonomy of the work of art isn't even a goal at all? What you want to do is to start a discourse. That's really the end of art. Hmm. So there were three questions, right? Okay, so let's... Uh, too many two questions just at ease once. you into the third, yeah. Wait, could you, okay, could you please repeat from the first one? Sure, the first one, um, uh, is there a project that you've worked on where the response surprised you? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let's, I, I will answer, maybe you can just, you know, then go to the second one. Um, um, I think probably the project that received kind of like um, international kind of like resonance, but, you know, like, okay, okay you know, like, how do we, how do we uh, attest this response, right? This is also like, you know, a question, because as you can see, our projects are kind of like not dealing in the, in the domain of art, but they have this kind of like character and maybe also ambition kind of like to go beyond that domain, right? So, uh, so again, like, you know, you know, you have, you know, you have responses coming from these different spheres, right? You know, so it could be like sphere that is kind of like from academia, you know, if you, you know, or, or kind of like, you know, some societies that deal with that specific questions, right? You know, uh, so not necessarily this kind of like, you know, let's say, you know, the world of art, right? Again, world of art is also part of the, part of the larger kind of like domain of culture, right? So it, it may have kind of like, you know, repercussions, right? But I would say that uh, there were two... Uh, to kind of like uh, project, this is protest lab in Villa Lithuania. So like speaking about the protest lab, as we uh, kind of like managed to instigate kind of like um, larger movement, which was joined, you know, by maybe 10,000 people, um, you know, and also questioning not only developers' plans, but first of all, government decisions, right? So, um, so we managed to also kind of like, um, you know, interfere with kind of like politics on a certain kind of like scale, being involved in the petition committees at the national government, national parliament, involving, uh, you know, all the ministries actually, you know, to work with the kind of like proposals, how to reform the law of the territory planning, for example, and also how to... And even going to this kind of like absurdity kind of like, you know, but, uh, but it was one kind of like interesting detail uh, when we found that the translation of the Aarhus Convention, right, which is, uh, Aarhus Convention is international convention that is translated to many languages of the world that should guarantee people's participation in, in the territory planning, right? And we found that this uh, convention was translated to Russian and to Lithuania and to also Italian in the wrong way. That was, instead of guaranteeing people's participation, was depriving them from participation. Right? So we were working with colleagues in Italy, uh, and this is another platform that is um, uh, based in, in Milan. Um, um, and also Stodielet. Uh, this is a platform that is based in... Um, in Russia, um, so um, so we you know we proposed the alternative translation, right? Which was you know accepted, you know. So so like uh, this is just example that uh, that project kind of like kind of like uh, 
using specific uh, forms of action and performance uh, as a way to kind of, you know, uh, um, solidify, you know, or kind of like um, maybe propose some form of, you know, uh, you know, temporal citizenship may also uh, support some other political forms, right? You know, where you start from art and then maybe you go to another kind of like form, right? So in, in, that, in that sense, for me, this was a measure of success, right? And measure of kind of like a response. Because, you know, we, uh, it's not, you know that, that, you know, that I personally, let's say, was involved in these translations, right? But, but the project itself managed to get expertise of people, you know, who had, you know, uh, competence, uh, to you know, and the tools and instruments to change, but it was a moment needed, you know, kind of for them to come together, and 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 that was kind of like role of this art project, you know. Uh, in the case of uh, of Villa Lithuania, uh, uh, um, yes, uh, we managed to uh, start a discussion that was not happening on the level of ministries of foreign affairs between Russia, Italy, and, and Lithuania, you know, uh, and, uh, and this discussion was uh, productive. It's not that Russians are giving up the occupied territory, but, uh, but, it, but, it, but Italians kind of like, you know, started to come up with alternative proposals, you know, and this was, uh, and this was consequence of the intervention, you know, into the Venice Biennial, because uh, we knew that Venice Biennial, as a publicity, you know, is very good point, you know, of entering it, which could probably some other international forum would, would not have this capacity, you know. So this is to answer your first question. Let's give to the third then. Um, what's the relationship between uh, creative productions, creative interventions of, of this kind, of any kind, and the commentary that they produce? Hmm. Could you please explain your question? Sure. Um, uh, are these? Um, uh, is your goal to start conversations, um, to start discussions, to change action? Is your goal to have an effect on the receivers or audiences of the work? Hmm. You know, um, in the art project, the goal. Uh, um, is manifold, you know. I cannot say, you know, like, because uh, very easy answer would be that one, why, am I, uh, why I am continuing, you know, with artistic practice, right? I could rather be activist because, you know, like, if you look at, well, maybe to also to respond to, to what you asked, like, what I find inspiring in other theories or practices, you know, like, if you look at Antanas Motskus, for example, the politician, uh, who was also uh, former mayor of Bogota uh, in Colombia? Uh, he uses uh, artistic forms in his uh, governance, you know, and and making his politics. Uh, yeah, producing his politics actually. Um, you know, you have another example: uh, former mayor of Tirana in Albania, Edi Rama, who is also a former artist, and he is using kind of like you know artistic. Uh, artistic forms, you know, artistic practice in uh, reshaping, you know, the, you know, city governance and, and politics, kind of like, and making them, you know, visible, right? 
uh, and I'm not talking about aesthetization of the politics, you know, but really making politics, you know, through art, right? Um, you know, of course, you know, on one hand, you know, um, there are these kind of like, you know, examples, right? Uh, but I'm an artist, you know, I'm not a politician, right? And I'm very well aware of that, you know? So I'm interested also in kind of like in other aspects, right? You know, and, uh, and uh, one of these aspects is actually like, you know, testing, you know, and experimenting uh, how, uh, how this artistic, you know, form uh, can, like, can create, you know, can lend itself, first of all, to other spheres of knowledge, right? Because, you know, well, there is a theory that art, art is the form that lends itself most easily to other fields, Right, and that's why artists are always kind of like you know, uh, you know, interfering with other fields of knowledge, right? You know, or tapping into other fields of knowledge, or something that Yuritrogov proposes, uh, breaking through the knowledge, right? You know, breaking kind of like through the existing knowledge. Um, and of course, again, if we borrow from Rancière, you know, he's, he's, you know, when he talks about this, you know, distribution of the sensible, he says like there is this moment of you know, interruption that is also only temporal and only for that you can kind of constitute the political, right? You know, or, and this political means like, kind of like, you know, to, for the moment to interrupt distribution of the sensible and create different type of distribution, right? Which again, after some time, settles and, you know, and, and recuperates. But, um, so I'm interested, you know, in the, in, in the form actually, you know, in the artistic form, and how it, uh, you know, and how it manages to break through the knowledge in other spheres. Hi. Um, so, I had a question um, mostly about the context um, and the spaces in which the work of art um, uh, realizes itself. I mean, you, you mentioned Nicholas Beauregard and Rick Ritz, um, Tara Venetia, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and in, in like Rick Ritz's work, I know there's something about um, the ephemerality of the work of art and how it's very difficult to sort of be archived. I know he has the piece where it's like a pile of candy or something like that, and then people go up and they take a, a piece of candy and then it's just gone afterwards. Um, is there, like, how, what, wh what is the afterlife of your works of art? Um, do, do you have, um, how, how do you archive them, I guess? How, how do you, you talk about them afterwards? Is it just through sort of video or photo documentation? And then also, in a second related question, um, do you find it's productive when your works of art work in uh, move into the gallery space versus out in some real world space. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe I start from from the second question. Um, as as I said, um, and for me it was actually um, quite refreshing to hear the comment by Jeff Wall, the Canadian uh, photographer, once when he was. When, when, when they were debating also public space, and this was kind of like maybe very, like, 
probably end of 90s, you know, when there was this discussion about public space, you know, as the kind of like notion of public space was really like emerging in the, in, in the art discourse, you know, or the discourse of contemporary, you know, visual practices. Uh, and he said, like, I don't see the difference between the gallery and the street, you know. And I was, of course, at that time, I was very irritated, you know, by this uh, saying, you know, because I was, you know, very much, you know, involved maybe in the institutional critique as someone who was, you know, who had background in the artist-run platforms and self-organized and self, kind of like platforms, you know, that are built on self-organization, self-education on one hand, on the other kind of like as, as being, you know, as interested in kind of like, you know, internet utopia, kind of, you know, and, you know, all this idea of building kind of like the, the third way and the sphere kind of like, you know, that is outside, right? Uh, but, um, you know, um, I, I think uh, we have to be aware of institutional, you know, I mean, we have to be aware of these genealogies, you know, what is institutional criticism, you know. But on the other hand, what is interesting, you know, uh, this is also what you, you have, you know, we have to also, instead of building this kind of like antagonistic relationship to institution, right, I think it is very important also to see what is happening in these institutions themselves, you know. And for me, it is very interesting actually to observe, for example, the, you know, what is happening with education, programs in the museums, you know, as they, as there is this very kind of like, and this is happening with educational turn, uh, that uh, many educational programs in the museum, as, as the museum's experiencing crisis, and this is what you know from, you know, like museum ruins, right, Hal Foster. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe museum crisis is since its inception, Know, but uh, but educational crisis also is known, you know, like for a long time. So, so what is interesting that uh, educational programs at the museum try to also reform and liberate themselves from just being in service to the museum, right? To uh, to make themselves emancipatory, right? And instead of just only serving the museum as kind of like you know providing the you know services and kind of like supporting the grand narrative of the curators, right? Uh, positioning themselves as truly in kind of like in service to the viewer, right? In service to the in inquiry, critical questioning, and you know, so there is interesting movement going on in the museum. And that's why for me it is interesting kind of like to, to look at that movement, and maybe that movement is, is also a door for us artists, you know? So, uh, I don't know if that helps kind of like to, so this is like, you know, of course, uh, in, in, like when we're talking about institution, you know, there is much bigger world than just museums, right? You know, so there is, for each artist is a kind of like re complex relationship, you know, to any commissioning body, right? And here I don't see the difference being commissioned by Venice Biennial or being commissioned by Kremlin to make a statue of Lenin, right? Bo in both cases, you're working with the commissioner who are dealing with certain ideologies, right? And you have to find your strategy. You know how to how to work in these you know situations. Um, of course, the differences may be you know when we when we expand this territory when we look at you know I don't know collectors galleries and so on and so. But uh, but I don't work with the galleries, so uh, I try to find you know some you know other way. You know instead of working with the gallery.
because that, that relation pr probably also could be another, another kind of complexity, right? Well, I think we're going to have to call it quits uh, for tonight, uh, uh, Professor uh, Gadaminas Urbonus, uh, the program in Art, Culture, and Technology. Uh, we're going to have to get some of your courses cross-listed in uh, comparative media studies because we have a lot to talk about. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.